We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you ready for rapid fire? <laughs> I am ready for some rapid fire. Seems like you're ready for some rapid fire. I, I was, I, I was, I called an audible mid sentence there on when we were going to. You want to kick this question rapid off fire. with rapid fire? Yes, we're gonna we're gonna start with defense, but then I've been saving the offensive talk for rapid fire. We've got some comments here on the offense. We had you know some stuff that we were going to talk about anyway. Tim asked, though, if Al Golden goes to the NFL, do you like Marcus Freeman calling the defense with Mike Mickens as the defensive coordinator? I will always be comfortable and trust a Marcus Freeman-led defense, but I don't think he could do it all, obviously, as you know, when he's also the head coach. And so I think it would be a great situation to kind of, um, you know, like supervise or, you know, teach and then eventually pass off the realm to someone like Mickens, right? But the thing is, is I think people, <laughs> it's so funny that all of a sudden, you know, people were, oh, is Al Golden this or that? And then he has one game and now everyone's worried about if Al Golden's going to, you know, ditch Notre Dame for the NFL. I think Al Golden had the potential to continue his career in the NFL. Um, I think he came back to college for a reason. I think he wanted to run a defense on his own and he wanted to figure out, you know, what what is his scheme overall what is his overall philosophy as a defensive coordinator and I just don't think he's going to jump ship kind of this early I think Al Golden still has a couple to few more years in college before he returns back to the NFL I think some of these questions are kind of like when you know when it became obvious that Brian Kelly was not going to be fired at Notre Dame that he was only going to leave you know like if he retired even though like going somewhere else, I don't think most people saw that coming. But a lot of the questions were, if Brian Kelly were to retire, who would be, you know, the, the what would the short list of head coaches be? And, and those kind of, you started to see those kind of questions. And so it's like people really wanted Brian Kelly to go and were hoping that a new coach would come in. But and, and I think that, you know, some of this pertains to Al Golden as well. It's like, well, if he were to go to the NFL, you know, as in, well, I'd still like to see Al Golden go because I because I don't know if I'm really sold on him. I'm not saying me. I'm saying that that's kind of the positioning, you know, the way people are positioning these questions. As to Mike Mickens, 
I've always thought because of the way that he has developed these corners. Now, granted, some of the talent is there too, but like, look at what Cam Hart has become with Mike Mickens as the secondary coach, for example. Really, since Mickens got here, the secondary has gotten a little bit better every year. And remember, Mike Mickens came over a year before Marcus Freeman even, and then Freeman came over the next year from Cincinnati. They're obviously familiar you know, with, with that scheme, familiar with each other and all that kind of stuff. And I've always felt like Mike Mickens would be a really good candidate for that. Here's the only problem I have with that right now. What, what What's everybody knocking? Now, lack of experience. Lack of experience. That's right. The lack of experience as a coordinator. And you already have an inexperienced head coach. You already have an inexperienced offensive coordinator. And again, we're going to get to the offense here in a minute. So we'll talk about that. But I don't know that if at Notre Dame you you would want that much inexperience in those three key positions. That's 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 the downside of it. As great a coach as I think Mike Mickens is, he's a great secondary coach. I just I'm not sure if you'd want that much relative inexperience at, with all three of those positions: head coach, defensive coordinator, and offensive coordinator. Yeah. So you don't disagree with that either. Okay. Nope. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We can move on then. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The fall season is incredibly busy for me which makes it hard to spend the time needed to make healthy meals and live a healthy life. If you have the same problem, you'll want to try Factor, America's number one ready-to-eat meal kit. It can help you fuel up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. You'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle. I've had Factor meals, and I'm going to continue buying from them, especially with a special discount for Irish Breakdown listeners. With Factor, you skip the extra trip to the grocery store and the chopping and prepping and cleaning up too, while still getting the flavor and nutritional quality you need. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are ready in just two minutes. So all you have to do is heat and enjoy, then get back to crushing your goals. You can choose from 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never frozen meals that promote a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences, all ready to eat in two minutes. Head to factormeals.com slash irish50 and use code irish50 to get 50% off. 
That's Irish 50 at factormeals.com slash Irish 50 to get 50% off. I've tried it. I'm sticking with them. You should try too. So fill in the blank. Notre Dame's offense was blank Saturday against USC. Notre Dame's offense against USC was still predictably stagnant, but did the job when it mattered most. Or I should say, but scored points when it mattered most. They There was a lot of frustrating drives, you know, especially in that first half of three plays and off, four plays and off. But every time that that happened, the defense stepped up to the call and also got a stop. The offense scored after every takeaway. The offense scored after every time USC scored. I'm okay with that. I hope that the bye week allows for some of these offensive problems to be struck or ironed out because you can't you can't go back to the drawing board, you know, after losing to Louisville knowing that USC's on deck. You can't create that hysteria within your offense of you know, just rebooting things because things aren't going right. But again, they were good enough and they did the job when they needed to. And I'm never going to knock a team when they beat an undefeated 10th ranked defending Heisman caliber team at home. And so it, it was just simply good enough. And that my word was enough. And I think I saw a couple other people that was, that was it. It was enough because you know, the big one of the bigger knocks is well they only scored because they you know the average starting field position was the 47 yard line they had the ball inside the 20 twice they got the you know the ball at the 2 after the second watts interception they got it at the 12 after the first interception they got it at midfield after the Benjamin Morrison interception the other side of that is they scored touchdowns all three times like i i swear bk led offenses at least two of those but, would have been field goals. And here's, you know, again, we're going to talk about the the NBC booth here in a minute, but I do find some irony that the guy sitting in the booth, Jason Garrett, <laughs> was, and we've seen this, Jason Garrett was the king of, okay, between the 30s, we're going to move we're back out of the football. But as soon as I get to the, you know, not even to the red zone, but to the opponent 30-yard line, I'm going to downshift because now we're in field goal range and I'm not going to risk not making, you know, not at least getting a field goal out of this. And, you know, that was the Jason Garrett model, basically. And Notre Dame turned all three of those interceptions into touchdowns. And there is something to be said for that because just a couple of weeks ago, that that wasn't even the case. They were gifted good field position against Duke and didn't get a touchdown. And, you know, like, and as we've seen, there's no guarantee with the kicking game, even though Schrader came out and kicked a 37 yard field goal. I'm not <laughs> going to give him props for kicking a 36 yard field goal because that's when every college kicker needs to make. But the, you know, the point is they turned all three of the interceptions into touchdown touchdowns. So that's a big plus, but even beyond that, you know, like Joe is saying, uh, I think Parker watched the whiteboard podcast. Great <laughs> job. Um, they Saw the broke double some, slots. You know, they broke some tendencies. That's right. You know, they they did some things like the touchdown to Jabron Payne when they've thrown Jabron Payne out there. What did we talk about last week? That was that's typically going to be a run play to Jabron Payne, but they they broke that tendency. He slipped in between the guard and the tackle. And they Jason the, Garrett loved that one. 
yeah, I mean, he sh- he should because it's something that he'd never do. But <laughs> you know, they, they did that. They did a little bootleg with Sam Hartman, even though you know Hartman needs to, you know, just you know, there were some times it's like you're going, why are you checking down all the time? Hit the, you know, and then he tries to throw a little bit longer for Evans when he could have just hit Holden stays underneath if he checks down. But yeah, Tim you know, B was, said it. A lot of pre-snap motions this week too. That's what I was going to get to. A lot of switching out of formations and getting yeah. into other formations. Simple stuff and like stuff that you showed on your whiteboard last week as well. It's like there's not too many games where you would say Sam Hartman's going to throw for 126 yards. Notre Dame's going to run for 125, and they're going to win the game by 28 points. And they're going to put up more, more than 40 <laughs> you know? points. Yeah, that's exactly right. And they also only gave up one tackle for loss and no sacks. against No the offensive team. penalties either. Well, no penalties. But USC was number one in the nation with 57 tackles for losses going into that game. They only had one, and they were third with 22 sacks. They had no sacks. Offensive line played a lot better. And the offense in general, even though they they could have run the ball better, that was my biggest thing. They didn't do that, but they played a clean game and they won by twenty eight points. You know, so knock that. <laughs> I, I know. I mean, you're you're nitpicking. They do need to run the ball still a little bit better against. You know, it was a bad defense. They're going to have to play better than that against Clemson. I'll tell you that because Clemson's still a solid defensive. Clemson's still a better defensive team than USC. They're going to have to be better than that against Clemson. I, I mean, but how about, how about, you know, what you were just talking about, you know, like they, they, they did some double slots, but they also remember one of the things that I, you know, like when we were talking about they how they can play use action on your center. Well, they put phase in the slot. They put Tyree outside. And what did they do with phase They ran the safety off and let Tyree go free man to man against a cornerback that's just a way that you can use Jordan Faison yeah it completely works and that was the whole point of that whiteboard last week is when you have both of those speedsters on the field one of those guys is going to run the other one off and you're going to get a one-on-one matchup you're going to force one of the safeties or corners to make a decision and that's exactly um what they did and I thought Jason Garrett made a really interesting comment speaking of that Chris Tyree touchdown I don't know if you caught this he said Sam Hartman is the best deep ball thrower in all of college football. He said he basically That's interesting. But that's it was that's why I'm bringing it up because it's interesting, but it's also interesting because Jason Garrett sees a lot of quarterbacks. He's an NFL guy, he's an offensive guy. And so for him to make that comment, say what you want about Jason Garrett, I still respect his football mind and his football knowledge. Me too. So for him to say something like that, it's not his play calling. Right. And so he basically said the way that Sam Hartman threw that ball is he, he basically handed it to Chris Tyree. He, it was like a layup to Chris Tyree. And he said that that's the, that's the way that he, that, that's why he thinks that but, Sam Hartman is one of the best deep ball throwers in the country. But Hartman needs to throw the deep ball more because it's, that's not the first time that Tyree has been open. Now, obviously he had an opportunity week before and he dropped a ball, but there have been other times when Tyree has been there. He's just not pulling the trigger. That's the thing. He needs to pull the trigger more on yep. those deep balls. Jeremy asked about Dion Colsey. Um, I'll just, without reading the entire comment, Deion Colsey's been out for a couple of weeks because he had a scope of his knee. He's expected back maybe against Pittsburgh after the bye week, but Deion Colsey's not being put on the field because Deion Colsey is physically unable to go on the field right now because he had a, a procedure on his knee. So that's, that's why no Deion Colsey. It's not that they're choosing not to put him on the field. It's that he had a knee procedure and uh, is unable 
to get out there right now. Brian NY said, nearly perfect game. Only thing that bothered him, first two possessions of the second yeah. half, felt like they were just getting different people in the game, not going for the knockout. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, again, I, I mentioned how there were some frustrating drives. Um, but, and, you know, particularly to begin the second half because – Notre Dame was getting the ball back and it really felt like a way to give USC another, you know, big gut punch and they didn't capitalize on it. So I was a little bit frustrated in that. Yep. James said Hartman needs time to throw the ball. Well, he, you know, he had more time the other night as to, uh, as to Tommy, you know, I was talking about Tommy Guns's birthday. DK, DK says, Sean doesn't like T guns. And then T guns, Thanks to uh, maybe that was a, a different one. Okay, so when I said there are multiple people <laughs> who have that birthday, I'm talking about people I know personally, not just from you know the chat in the show. Two other people I know who share that same birthday, Saturday. That's who I was referring to. Not Tommy. Tommy's awesome. We love Tommy, right? Tommy's bringing the heat. Tommy brings that spirit and heat every day. <laughs> That's right. He's reliable. Um, part of the OG crew. Yeah. Jeff said the O-line was slightly better. Estime ran with purpose, but the passing game still was lacking. Hartman looks somewhat tentative, throwing downfield, still missing a few throws he hit earlier. And that's what I don't get. Like where, you know, where that is coming from. Is it all him? Is it, is it what, you know, is being asked of him? I don't know. I don't know. There is definitely a disconnect someplace you know and how much of it is the rotating personnel at you know wide receiver you know like how much is sam hartman trusting of these guys who are you know rotating in and out of roles because of injuries and stuff like that so again i just think that this bye week is going to do notre dame a lot of wonders in their offense right now i wouldn't be surprised if we see a much fresher and slightly adjusted kind of overall game planner mindset from jared at least i'm hoping if jared parker and this staff is you know, as, as they say, challenge everything and constantly looking wait for ways to improve. Well, there's a lot that, that Jared Parker can take and, and have time with over these next two weeks. And so I'm really looking forward uh, to seeing what he does in those these two weeks. Jesse, do you buy or sell fans storming the field after the game? I buy fans storming the field for the right reason. I sell fans storming the field in the manner in which Notre Dame did on Saturday night. Every time you storm the field, it should just be utter excitement and wanting to celebrate um, with the players. I don't think you should just storm because you feel obligated to storm because you beat a team that's better than you. And it was kind home. of there, there and then you're just kind of having a party on the field hanging yeah. out type situation. Yeah. And it was weird because from the student section they started to come out and then you saw some people sort of trickling out from the other side of the stadium. And it was like this slow burn of like, let's get on. Like you said, you know, it's like you felt it's like some people just felt obligated, I think, to get out there after they saw some other people doing it. And then there's, of course, like the viral stuff of this guy. Yeah. Talking around Caleb Williams and the, you know, the photo bomb and all that kind of stuff. I felt like that was a little bit much. And quite honestly, that's what you don't want in in field storming is like you don't want some idiot going after players on They're the other side. They're just out there now, for clout. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now, some, you know, obviously, you know, if you if you tried to do that, you know, to an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman, you would just get squashed like a bug. But, you know, you're chasing Caleb Williams around out there. I, I, 
I felt like it was it was a like you said a bit forced might be the way to go and it's like you've done more than than USC in the last decade decade and a half basically like straight time beating them at home yeah like you've been to the playoffs twice and a national championship game since USC has done anything so I felt it was a little bit odd that that you would storm the field after that it's one thing a couple of years ago like I realized it was COVID year and all that like when you beat the number one team in the nation Clemson even Clemson last year because Clemson was another top five team and you know like all that stuff like it's I, I personally I was I was I was definitely questioning it seeing it yeah. I thought it was a little bit odd that you felt like this was the team that you needed to rush it the just field. felt like forced it, it didn't it feel like been, genuine excitement if they had beaten Ohio State I could see Ohio State but USC I agree I felt like it was a little bit forced as well for the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. So Stuart Mandel of The Athletic says USC is a, quote, dumpster fire. Fair or foul? It's 100% foul. No one said that USC was a dumpster fire uh, before this game. And you let off this show that college football is a reactive sport dependent on week by week, right? And so every week there's a new narrative depending on what just happened, what is fresh on everyone's mind. That was never a thought or consideration. You know, a Lincoln-Riley led offense by Caleb Williams, the defending Heisman, and you know, Zachariah Branch and all of these elite wide receivers and et cetera. It's just, I hate when people, you know, find something to fit a narrative or, you know, fit that, you know, Notre Dame was struggling a little bit. So how could they lose in that way to a team like Notre Dame? It's just completely foul. You know, USC still has a strong, they're in every consideration to still run the table. They could still win their conference. They could still make the playoff as a one loss team. There's just so many things that could still happen. And so to call a team a dumpster fire prematurely after one bad loss. I just think it's it's horrible analysis at the end of the day. I completely agree. I mean, like, did you did you not see some of this coming with the way they played defense against you know the the, the Colorados and the Arizonas of the world? And again, like this is a this is a USC team that defensively, in terms of havoc plays up front, has been really good. Tackles for loss and sacks Notre Dame was just better than them and they beat them up front like you weren't saying that any of that like even close to any of this when they were playing some of that Pac-12 competition I mean there's a reason why everyone on college game day except Pat McAfee picked USC to win this game if they were really a dumpster fire all of these national analysts would not think that USC was the better team and win this game against Notre Dame but they got embarrassed and now it's what fits the weekly narrative yeah and again, this is the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. He is still a guy that everyone is talking about as the first overall pick in the NFL draft. I still don't think that there's a better quarterback, but he hasn't played a better defense than he saw. And Notre Dame's defense, because there is some of the the, the national narrative that like, well, USC just played awful and, and Caleb Williams was just awful. 
I said this last week as well when we were talking about, like, you still have to give credit. Like, as a team that covers Notre Dame, what is most of what we talk about on a weekly basis about? It's what about what Notre Dame did or didn't do. We don't spend enough time talking about what the other team did sometimes to force them into that. And in this case, as we talked about in the whole first part of the show, Notre Dame's defense forced Caleb Williams into those bad decisions. They made him do things he right. didn't want to do. And it's not just that that he it's not that he is that bad and that that they are that bad because you know again like Notre Dame's offense didn't just run all over USC out there. Like to an extent USC's defense played somewhat respectively. But when they're playing in that many short field situations, there's only so much you could do. And Notre Dame capitalized in those situations. So dumpster I mean, fire is just, it's, it's way foul to me. It's, it's, it's too far. There's a reason why that this is an anomaly. Lincoln Riley has uh, Lincoln Riley led offenses never performed this way. Notre Dame just executed an excellent defensive game plan. Yeah. And Link, all Lincoln Riley can do is tip his hat because that's never happened to him before in this way. I was going to say it's arguably the best defensive game plan. That's It's one of the best defensive game plans that's been thrown at Lincoln Riley before. It's like Jim Schwartz going against uh, Kyle Shanahan, you know, the Browns and the 49ers. Yeah. Jim Schwartz lets teams are like nine and one against nine Kyle Shanahan. Against he just Kyle has Shanahan. it. He yep. just has it, you know. And I texted all my Browns fans this week and I said, I said, you guys have to be optimistic with statistics like that. He's going to keep you in the game because everyone was blowing up about, oh, I'm going to take the 49ers spread, the 49ers spread. And I was like, how can you do that when it's like there is data out there that Jim Schwartz just knows how to shut down a Kyle Shanahan offense? And, okay. Granted, Debo Samuel got hurt. Chris, Christian McCaffrey got banged up. He still did the job. If Brock Purdy was as elite as, a, as elite as everyone says he was, he would have found a way to win that game. But that's just not what happened. Fill in the blank. USC great Keyshawn Johnson was at the game Saturday, and it's blank that he called Notre Dame Stadium a dump. It's embarrassing that he called Notre Dame Stadium a dump, and it's embarrassing on behalf of his personal image, right? Like, I see that he's on – uh, a lot of these kind of shows now, I think it's like first take. He fills in, you know, with Sherwin Williams and Skip Bayless, I think. And you see uh, Michael Irving on there a lot. And there's a lot of kind of roundtable discussions and everything like that. It's just a bad, it's embarrassing to make that kind of a statement and then get dumped on by 28 points. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I Matt Leiner, uh, Mark Ingram, Urban Meyer, it just everyone you talk to on that big noon or, or college game day experience, what do they all talk about? Even if you hate Notre Dame, you just have to come to Notre Dame to enjoy the experience, enjoy that it's one of the best you know college environments in the nation. And then here's Keyshawn Johnson before the game saying that it's a dump. It's just outwardly embarrassing and just nowhere near true. And you can't get over the biasy that so many other people were able to drop and enjoy about Notre Dame. Yeah, that is uh, that is pretty much it. Like Tim says, he's a troll. Keyshawn is a dump is what Joe says. And Michael makes the best point. Compared to the Coliseum, <laughs> I've been to the Coliseum enough. And I know they've done, done some upgrades. But there's a reason that the Rams moved out of the Coliseum like many, many years ago and moved to Anaheim before they moved to St. Louis. And then they came back. And then, of course, they bounced right into a brand new dome stadium out there there's a reason al davis and the raiders left it's because the coliseum is arguably maybe not even arguably it, it might be inarguably the worst stadium in all it's, in all of college football and i know how old it is but i've been there enough 
to know what that outside of the stadium smells like where they used to have, uh, you know, they might still have media will call over there. It, it stinks. You might as well be standing in the middle of a porta potty when, when you're standing outside the stadium <laughs> out there, it is horrible. And it is, it is old. Now, again, I haven't been there since they've done, a, you know, some of the more recent modern modernizations, but as as recently as what 12 15 years ago that was still like a 1950s press box 1960s press box that they were using there so don't tell me what Notre Dame stadium is or isn't and the LA Coliseum is the dump of dumps and i know that Keyshawn again he's trolling it because he went to USC he can't stand Notre Dame but the Coliseum is the dump <laughs> the dump. Ooh, Matt says, Jesse, here's some cash for the whiteboard material and your Excel spreadsheets. Good stuff. There it's my go. favorite stuff to do, so I appreciate it. So let's get to the broadcast. Uh oh, because everyone's gonna love this one. You know, I I was like going back and forth. Do I even bring this up? Because I feel like all we ever do is. Bag on have, the broadcast. I have one very important thing to say about this. I'm going to keep it short in, in those regards. So I'll let you okay. go ahead a little bit. So here's why I brought it up. Because this is not just like fans talking about this. It has reached this. This was the most, you know, this and the Ohio State game were the two most high profile broadcasts that are going were going to emanate from Notre Dame Stadium this year. They had Noah Eagle and... Todd Blackledge on the first game. And of course we had Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett on this game. They called an afternoon game the day of the Ohio state game. They called it an afternoon big 10 game. So you had Collinsworth and Garrett. They caught a lot of backlash for the broadcast Saturday. Here are a couple tweets from some impartial national parties around the nation from Ryan Glassbeagle of the New York post. It's not his fault. He got a great job way before he deserved it. And I'm not, and I'm sure he's a great guy, but I feel confident in saying Jack Collinsworth is not a top 50, top 250 play by play broadcaster in America from national football writer, Mark J Burns. My ears are bleeding listening to Jack Collinsworth and Jason Garrett on the Notre Dame USC call a game of this magnitude deserves so much better. From Chicago sports host Mike North, for a major franchise, NBC gives Notre Dame the absolute worst announcers they can find. Collinsworth Jr. is a high school announcer, and Garrett is brutal. Where's Vern Lundquist? So there are some national takes on the broadcast. What do you think about it all, Jesse? So the the the, the overall thing that I felt about this game and. You know, I, I, I've listened to a lot of Collinsworth and Garrett broadcasts by now, right? Like, I know what it is. It is what it is. Do I want better? Sure. But the thing that stuck out the most to me during this game is it felt like Collinsworth, and this was a reoccurring thought, it felt like Collinsworth and Garrett were a disservice to the magnitude of this game on a national scale, right? Like, it's Notre Dame and it's USC. Those are two huge markets. Um, and it just felt like the entire time, like, like I just kept thinking to myself after all these big plays, like, where's the excitement? Like, where is, you know, where is that, um, inflection and voice anytime something big happens? It's just awkwardness. 
It's monotone. And, like, I just go back to, like, you know, when Notre Dame returned that kickoff against uh, Wisconsin, how electric that was. And I I miss Gus Johnson because in that moment, like, that's a huge pivotal moment for Notre Dame to return that kickoff, for Jadarian Price to return that kickoff. And you would just think that it was, like, a a two-yard run that Audric Estime just ran up the middle. Like, there was no difference between big plays. And I just felt like it was a a great disservice to – you know, a, a game of that magnitude. Yeah. I mean, Christopher makes a good point. Sean, why does it matter who calls the game? Does it change the outcome? No. I mean, that's a solid point. But again, this was this was Notre Dame USC. Just like you had a different crew that was much better calling Notre Dame Ohio State a couple of weeks ago. And it's not like you just have Notre Dame fans saying, well, these guys weren't pro Notre Dame enough because that's that's typically the biggest criticism of of notre dame fans is like the booth is not pro notre dame enough and if that's your complaint i'm just being honest here nbc doesn't care plain and simple like they don't care if you think that the announcing crew is not pro notre dame enough they're never going to put a rah-rah notre dame cheerleader in the booth and i get it like people thought that maybe they spent too much time focusing on USC or they got too excited about USC or whatever. Look, NBC wants a crew in there that is going to get excited no matter who is doing what. But to your point, Jesse, like these guys were flat. They were monotone. There was some excitement, but their excitement level did not match the excitement that was going on on TV, plain and simple. And, you know, like the problem with Collinsworth is – He's FS1, he's ESPN+, plus. that's the level that he is. This is only his second year doing football at any level. He does not belong in a national TV broadcast of this magnitude. And that's what people, again, not even Notre Dame fans, not even USC fans, impartial media people around the country were pointing out, like, these guys do not match the broadcast. And watched a lot of college football over the weekend and rewatched some other stuff. Like there were, there are other booths who are just so much better. Garrett would not be bad if he had someone in the booth with him doing the play by play who was a, who had a, a bigger, you know, more significant sounding defined voice and who could also, you know, maybe a bigger personality who could bring more out of Jason Garrett. He's like the host of the show, essentially. That's what Jack Collinsworth needs. He needs to be the host of the show. He needs to, you know, he needs to set up Jason Garrett in a way that doesn't just feel like it's, you know, awkward, this awkward marriage between the two. Jack Collinsworth doesn't do anything to further develop. He doesn't do anything to right. kind of put on the host of the show type there are, situation. There are awkward pauses. It's like where Garrett makes a point where where a more experienced play-by-play announcer could again, you know, like Well, that's why he was better with Noah Eagle in Ireland right. when Collinsworth couldn't make it. Right. So, and again, the you know, like the the points that I brought up were from impartial people watching, not just not just Notre Dame fans and it's um mr 2.0 says collinsworth dad doesn't have a big voice either but he's the color guy and has a little bit more personality yes like their voices are similar but you're yeah you're talking about a guy who played in two super bowls and his you know what got him in the booth was 
his playing background and the fact that he does have a different kind of personality and he is an analyst versus a play-by-play guy. Big, big difference. You don't necessarily have to have a big voice to be in that analyst role. You have to have great football knowledge and Chris Collinsworth has great football knowledge and he's got an opinion on a lot of things, even though like you can argue that yeah, but days. it opens up discussion. It opens up your mind, even if you don't agree with it. Right. Right. Exactly. So it's, you know, it's it's not a good look when you're getting dragged all over social media when it's really the biggest broadcast you're going to have on your network in terms of college football yeah. for the rest of the year. So fill in the blank. Pittsburgh beating Louisville is blank. <laughs> Pittsburgh beating Louisville this past weekend was disheartening and it opened the door for Notre Dame naysayers even more because as you know what as a Notre Dame fan what is the argument you're immediately making when you lose to Ohio State you lose to Louisville is well they could run the table they could be an undefeated team winning their conference and potentially you know make Notre Dame look that much better but every time a team like Louisville or Ohio State loses it just you know, lessens lessens your case of how good you are um, overall. And I, you know, I had friends texting me immediately. Oh, I thought Louisville was good. How did they lose to Pittsburgh and all this stuff? It's a week to week league, and it's crazy how um, you, you can completely look one way against a team, and then the next week another team comes in and you know performs a completely different way. Like there's no reason that Notre Dame couldn't have performed um, how Pittsburgh did. So it's just really. Um, disheartening, and I, I think I just saw a comment about being afraid of Pittsburgh. I, I think that is completely uh, premature and overblown. Yeah. <laughs> they just switched quarterbacks for a reason. Not worried. I mean, look, Notre Dame has shown that they've got to take everyone seriously, like we were talking about earlier, but I am not more worried. I think this was more about Louisville's state of mind. It's the classic letdown. after you trap door. Arguably the biggest win in your program history, yeah, complete trap door. And they fell right through it. I think it's more about that because they did. Pittsburgh, they benched Phil Jerkovic. They went to Velu, however you say his last name. And in his first start, they end up beating Louisville. And I don't think too many people are surprised. Like Michael said, many, a lot of people in the media were saying that Louisville could be this year's TCU after the Notre Dame win. And so much for that. So much for that. John says it is pronounced Vare, and I've seen, it's funny, because I've seen this, like, spelled phonetically a couple different ways just over the weekend, and I didn't get a chance to see any of the broadcast. So, I guess we'll find out exactly how it's pronounced. I'll be at that pit game, too, by the way. That's right. Jesse will be in town. So, hopefully, uh, I'll stop by and and see a couple fans at the IB tailgate. Yep. All right, Jess. Well, I hope things go well for uh, for our game of interest coming up later tonight. I guess we'll see. Anything's better than last week. Well, we hope anything is better than last <laughs> week. And, of course, the 49ers go out and lay an egg. 49ers and Eagles both losing on the same day to backup quarterbacks. Love that. I'll, take, I, I'll do anything for Eagles lost. Yes. Jesse and I are playing each other in fantasy football this week, and – going better for junior than it is for senior put it that way <laughs> you're riddled with injuries right now man it doesn't help that dj moore goes from 50 points to barely anything 
in one week either. But, hey, it's fantasy football. Nobody cares but us. All <laughs> right, well, that's going to do it for tonight. Appreciate you being here. We will have whiteboard coming up tomorrow. Everyone's been patting Jesse on the back for the whiteboard, so we will have some whiteboard coming up on tomorrow's show. So appreciate you being here. Appreciate you, Joe. Thanks for the comment for everyone else as well. DK says he put a cool thousand on the charges. All right. You're going to split that with Tommy for his birthday. If it comes through. (laughs) All right. Well, have a great night and we will talk to you tomorrow. Hit the like button on your way out. And of course, subscribe, rate and review. See you later. Ividation sports talk.